The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Beyond and hello, everyone. My name is Jonathan Dornbush, and this is Podcast Beyond, episode 671 of IGN's weekly PlayStation show, where we are just a few weeks away from the PlayStation 5, from months and months of talking about it and wondering when we will see a logo from Jim Ryan appear at a tech conference, (laughs) to actually being just a few weeks away from getting the thing. Uh, It's a pretty exciting time, and there's plenty of news and stuff to talk about, uh, you know, as we're still waiting to actually get hands on with these things. But in the meantime, I'm joined this week by Brian Altana. Hey, beyond. Jana Garcia. What's up? And Max Coville. Hey, stay, Sean. Perfect. Uh, of course, I do want to, as we started uh, last week's show, I know not everyone on this week was on last week, but last week we started uh, with what will Sony announce this week? Because we always get hit by a giant major announcement from Sony uh, the day or two after we record. So I wanted all of your thoughts on what big Sony news is going to hit that we won't be able to talk about next week. Brian, I'll start with you. PlayStation 6. Perfect. Bold. Just Yeah. Bold to go I, for it. I'd expect nothing less at this point. Uh, Janet, what about you? I'm going to go with uh, PSVR information. Like what's with that adapter thing? Are we going to, how do you know I need that? And how will I get it? I'm going to go with that. Yeah, they've they've told us it's going to be free and we'll be able to get it easily, but still don't know how. Uh, Max, what about you? What do you think we're going to hear about that we mm. won't talk about until next week? Probably a new God of War trailer, you know? No, I think I think Janet's onto something. PlayStation VR update would be interesting. I was just sort of fiddling with that thing the other day, and I was like, I don't know how to feel about this. Like, I've, I'm, I, I, I want to like it. I want to set it up and plug it in, but I'm also kind of like, I sort of would like a different version of this or something with less wires and crap to lug around. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a relic of a different time, uh, not just because of the PlayStation Move controllers, but just because of the sheer amount of cable management you have to do just to take that thing out and start playing VR. But uh, thankfully, there is a a bit to talk about when it comes to the PS5 that we do know about this week. Uh, Of course, we'll touch on the UI, which was revealed last week uh, and a few other things, because there's been bits and pieces of information coming out about the PS5 as the days have gone on. But the first thing I want to talk about overall, because we haven't really uh, looked at it since we've got a a better picture of it, is the actual PS5 launch lineup. Uh, Xbox announced the official launch lineup last week uh, for the Xbox Series X and S. PlayStation hasn't done the same yet with a 
uh, proper PS5 launch lineup reveal, but I feel like we pretty much have a, a good handle on what's going to come from especially first party and most third party. So just to give a quick rundown, for those who may not know, uh, I'll stick mostly to, I think, like the exclusives or at least like PlayStation exclusives. We've got Astro's Playroom, which is supposed to be built into everyone's PS5. So you'll have that there while you're waiting for other games to download. Demon Souls, Destruction All-Stars, Miles Morales, uh, the Spider-Man remaster. If you buy the Miles Morales Ultimate Edition, Sackboy, A Big Adventure, uh, Bug Snacks is coming to PS4 and PS5. Uh, Godfall is coming to PS5 and PC. The Pathless is coming to PS4 and P- PS5 and PC. It's not coming to Xbox. Um, and then also stuff like Destiny 2 Beyond Light is launching that day. Uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla and Watch Dogs Legion are getting uh, next-gen versions as well for launch. Uh, Just Dance 2021 comes out a few days later. Call of Duty Black Ops is the day after. Um, we have the full list on IGN. It's not too many more games than what we've announced there. And I, I kind of want to start off things basically with the question of, I, I feel like I've heard a lot this time around of people saying, you know, there's so much that is cross-gen this time that you don't need a console, a new console really to play much of this stuff and that you're not really left out of the conversation if you can't get a PS5 or Series X. Uh, you know, outside of a few exclusives, I, I wondered, do you guys feel like that doesn't matter? Like I was looking at past uh, launch lineups and for the PS4, the exclusives that were just for PS4 were Killzone Shadowfall, Knack, and Resogun, which eventually came to PS3 and PS Vita. So it's not like the PS4 just came out of the, the gates with all these exclusives. Brian, I was kind of curious about what you thought of this launch lineup this time around. Yeah, it's interesting because it's uh, I, I don't recall as much sort of fervor around that when the PS4 launched because it, that seemed like a normal thing at the time was to just have a handful of games that were exclusive. Um, but uh, Sony fans kind of caught this in return after months of you know talking shit to xbox players and basically saying hey like there's you know there's there's no exclusive games coming to your system and then you know the roles were kind of reversed here so uh i i think sony fans kind of deserve that there um to call out fanboys across the board i think that's important but also um to me, it doesn't really matter because I'm dead set on buying a PS5. I'm dead set on playing all the cross-gen games uh, on on next-gen. I'm dead set on playing Miles Morales on day one on a PS5 and Spider-Man Remastered and Demon Souls. Like, I'm I'm ready to say goodbye to my PS4 and move on to the new generation. I think it's great that you know people with the who are sticking with the current generation, which is 100 and you know 20 million plus, 30, 40 million. I don't even know at this point feel like 5 million more every day. Um, they get rewarded because they get to hold on to their systems. But for us who want to move on, like it's, it's, it's good. I'm glad I'm happy for it. Yeah. Max, well, uh, I was curious about what you were thinking of how like the PS five launch lineup stacks up. Like, are you particularly excited it's... to play anything PS five wise specific or. I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to demon souls. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm really excited to just kind of see what the load times are like. Uh, I, I know that in McCaffrey's preview of the Series X, he was saying about how it's like it would be hard to go back to last gen after sort of seeing how fast everything is. And I'm curious if the same applies to PlayStation Five. Uh, yeah, I don't know. To, to touch on sort of the different, I remember I remember getting a PS4 and being pretty excited about it initially, and then just kind of like, I guess I'm gonna, I guess I'll play Resogun. You know, like, <laughs> like there were a handful of things to check out and mess around with, but it didn't really feel, uh, you know, like a triumphant sort of you know, it didn't really have any killer apps. And I think that that's kind of, you know, it's the same is true this time around as well, where, 
you know, you don't want to leave uh, an existing player base kind of just high and dry. Like we're kind of, we're gone to the days where it's like, you know, you get, you get, you get a, you know, brand new sort of exclusive day one that completely changes the way things are. I think it's sort of like, if, you know, if there's something that can be sort of scaled down to run on last gen, then like, why, you know, why leave that money on the table? Why leave people left out there? Uh, and it's, you know, I, again, it's also, I think they're with sort of the way games are developed these days is like, you know, there's, it is, it is like sort of baby steps, you know, and it's, it, we're, we're going to see what like a, like a tried and true PlayStation five game looks like from the ground up in like probably three years, you know, like we're going to have some stuff now, but like, I feel like you look at any kind of launch window or like first few years games and, you know, they always kind of got like one foot in last gen. So I'm excited to mess around with new hardware I'm glad there are a handful of exclusives and, and, you know, new games to check out. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's been an odd, it's been an odd shift this, this, this generation, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely one that feels a bit more gradual, but I think that's okay. And the companies are kind of working in that mindset and you're totally right. Like with the, the PS4, like we've talked a lot on the show about horizon was sort of the first time we were all like, wow, this is like next gen. This is really using the PS4. This is amazing. And that was in 2017, three, you know, a little more than three ish years, I think after the PS4 came out. So that was a really long gap before we got anything we felt like was truly next gen, especially like you were saying, when there's, you both were mentioning like so many people to not leave that money on the table when it comes to the PS4 install base. It totally makes sense. Um, Janet, I was curious from your end, like we've talked about on the show, it's going to be hard for them to like give us a reason to not want to still keep our pre-orders at this point. Like we're, we're pretty much set. We've bought it. We're planning to play it on day one. What are, what are you most excited to jump into on day one? Um, I'm really looking forward to hearing Max's thoughts on the remote, frankly. Um, I can't wait for that hands-on impression because I didn't pre-order it. So that's what I'm looking forward to. But in all seriousness, to kind of build on what Max was saying, I'm just excited about the hardware. It's true that and like you won't be out of the games conversation because so many of those games are either cross-platform or there's something that's not exactly groundbreaking like astro's playroom is just there for you to have and like to try out the dual sense but that's also the point like the conversation of ps5 though is the one that you'd be missing out on how does the dual sense feel what you know what's the weight of that controller what's it like to live with that ui and get to know it and learn its quirks and learn what you like and learn what you don't like that's the conversation i'm looking forward to having and i feel like you know no shade to anyone that is in this position whether it's by choice or by lack of being able to get a pre-order but the idea of playing miles morales on ps4 feels like it's just a little bit off like i get that that probably won't be a, a next gen game in the sense of it fully utilizing the potential of that hardware because like max said you won't see that for a few years but i'm excited to feel all in like the invigoration of getting a new thing when it comes to gaming, just like for me, really fuels my excitement for the hobby. Like, sure, I would have loved to play Miles on PS4 and it's still going to be the same game because it is the same game. But the excitement of it being this is on PS5, like, let me just start downloading every game I can find. Let me look for things that I wouldn't normally play. Like, let me, you know, talk to people about how it goes. What's it like to sync the controller when I'm trying to do multiplayer? Go Like all of those things. That's the conversation that you are missing out on if you don't get it day one. Day one's never a good purchase because there's not big exclusives. There's always some weird quirks with the console. It's the most expensive it will ever be. It will either ever stay the same or go down. So there's plenty of reasons not to. But for me, that's what I'm excited about for having that day one purchase. Like that weird, granular, petty conversation. I live for that. And that's what I'm looking forward to. <laughs> yeah, that's actually, now that you mentioned it, I totally forgot about the dual sense, a thing that we have not properly encountered yet. Like we none yeah. of us have touched this freaking controller. Like I don't, what if I hold it and I'm like, 
oh, I hate it. Like, what if I take it out of the box and it's like, oh, it hurts my thumbs. Like, that's going to be, that's going to be super weird. Like, I, I, again, like, we're joking about it, but like, I, I don't know. I've never had a dedicated PlayStation remote, let alone one that was announced alongside a new console. You ordered the remote? Why? <laughs> Dude, I was right in the, we were working on the holiday gift guide, and I had to be like, oh, the best gifts for, like, PlayStation fans or whatever, and they put the remote in there, and I was like, you know, like, we're, everyone gets excited about the games, but at the end of the day, you're still going to be watching shows on this, and, like, my logic is if you can, you know, hold your, your hand out and, and swipe through that and just eat, like, cookies and hold a drink and do whatever, but, like, I don't want to mess, I don't want to spill stuff on my on my dual sense. Like, it's it's brand new shiny white what if i get like you know cheeto crumbs in the, and the haptics right. don't work and it always sounds you know it always sounds like chips <laughs> or feels yeah like no chips. i i think i probably accidentally dunked my ps4 controller into a glass of milk thinking it was a cookie probably about 400 times throughout <laughs> the, the generation well, well now with the power of the dual sense it will feel like the milk you would have dipped it into so. i know you know what and the new one kind of looks like a big oreo so you don't even i mean it could you could get all kinds of milk in there you never know um well whatever uh drinks may end up on our dual senses yeah that is absolutely like such a good point of i i haven't really thought of that as much it is it is like whether it's big releases or new hardware or stuff like we usually get to see that stuff um at events or at least hear from other people's experiences we have heard from when it comes to the ps5 jeff Keeley's experience with astro's playroom and a handful of youtubers in japan's experience with uh godfall and i think Sackboy. uh i want to say um so we have had such little exposure to both the like the controller and the way we're going to be playing things and all of these games like it it is sort of weird and surreal to be like oh yeah we saw so much of spider-man ahead of time before the ps4 game now like outside of the game informer cover that's been happening recently we've seen nothing of this game right and i I, you know obviously this is a very bizarre insane year Uh, i'm wondering like even if this had been a normal year would there be a ps5 at best buy right now that you could go hands-on with you know like could you go to to gamestop and pick up the controller even if there wasn't like and uh, you know we typically get to see stuff earlier than most people and that's part of the job and that's part of the reason we do this show is like oh yeah we got hands-on with the playstation 5 let's talk about how we feel about the haptics but like this year has been so weird that we haven't done that like i've i mean we've done previews of next gen games but they've been you know streamed from like a ubisoft gaming pc somewhere on mm-hmm. earth i don't know where it is and it's like it's got that you know you you kind of you fill in the blanks of like it's like streaming anything like you're not you're not seeing it running natively but like right you kind of like oh it's the I, I guess it's probably going to look good but like normally we would have been you know hands-on with this thing at e3 or or you know gamescom or whatever like right. we've seen this thing running uh up close Fan, and fans yeah. would have held a controller at pax you know like new york comic-con like there's there were so many events that were an opportunity for this to be a thing but i'm wondering if you know with the way sony's played their cards i mean obviously it's sort of a chicken and egg thing but uh it's it's tough to say if they were to even show up to any of those events anyway you know even without a deadly virus i have no idea but yeah no you're totally it, right it, it's one of those things where this year you know we've talked a lot about like sony's silence when it came to the ps5 but every time they came out with a showcase or even a logo reveal or something like some sort of news it's the biggest thing on IGN for the day or the week. Like it is always the talking point thing and they haven't had to like go out of their way to make that happen. Um, right. And so, and, sorry, go ahead. 
No, and to to their credit, like I mean, week after week on the show, we're like, why haven't we seen this? Why haven't we seen that? And then they eventually do show something. Like you know, they showed off the whole UI, and like that was a they were pretty much they woke up on a random morning and they're like, surprise, here it is. Um, and I thought it was awesome. Like it was a it's it's a cool you know that was not the best way to get all the information out there, but you know that's that's I, I I think that that's sort of most people probably don't really care. Like, like we do, and a lot of the people the show listening it are listening to the show. Um, they they want to know what the user experience is, and I think for most people, they're like, I put in a disc, I go to their square, and I do hit square you and I do you put in a disc? <laughs> I personally do not. I will not. Depending on which of the versions you bought, if you're no, I, I physically cannot. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, just I, I do want to talk about the UI, but just sort of to wrap it up on that that launch lineup. No, Janet, I totally think you nailed it in terms of the like. Even if there aren't all of these brand new next gen experiences, it's been sort of that thing of like borderlands 3 announced they'll be there for launch day man eater is there for launch day um observer which has already been on pc and consoles is there on launch day like a lot of games we already know and it's not going to be too shocking but it is that like how does this work on ps5 how does it work on series x how does the dual sense work how does the ui interface with all this like it is the excitement of that conversation is tied into so many of these game experiences and i totally think you're right in terms of like i'm going to probably play stuff i may not have because there's only going to be 25 ps5 games to play rather than 2500 and that's sort of a a nice place to be at as we go into launch this episode of podcast beyond is brought to you by nordvpn a great way to protect yourself online while also improving your overall experience while enjoying cyberspace are you tired of streaming shows movies or sporting events being unavailable in your region due to draconian restrictions that are based on completely arbitrary geographical boundaries in physical meat space well switch your virtual location to a place where that's no longer an issue The same goes for shopping. You can get the best possible deal on subscriptions, flights, hotels, and other goods and services like that from websites that like to play favorites with certain territories and currencies. Meanwhile, encrypted traffic protects your data from hackers, viruses, malware, phishing sites, and other harmful hitchhikers of the information superhighway. Though really, it's more of an information autobahn because there is no speed limit with NordVPN. It is the fastest VPN in the world, so there won't be any buffering or lagging, and it'll stop your ISP from throttling your bandwidth. Isn't that nice? One NordVPN account can be used across six devices, which is great. My wife has been using our account to watch all sorts of awful British reality TV shows that aren't available here, like Argument Island or Half Naked Idiots Fall in Love, and everyone's favorite, The Worst People Just Got Married, Let's Hear Them Talk About It. Shows that are so bad, they're blocked in our part of the world for our own good, but luckily, NordVPN allows her to trick the internet into thinking she's in the UK so she and her awful friends can shriek and howl and cackle at the TV while I'm trying to relax. I've been using my VPN too. You know what I've been using it for? None of your business. Yep, that's right. And thanks to NordVPN, my data is safely encrypted, all bundled up in a weighted security blanket of incomprehensibly complex math problems and nobody can tell what it's doing under there. Data, you do your thing. I'll leave you alone. One month of NordVPN coverage costs less than a cup of coffee. Coffee can't protect you from cyber criminals unless you throw it at them or pour it on their computers and you'll probably get in trouble for doing that. So get NordVPN instead. To get the best possible discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. That link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, that is nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. And now, back to the show. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. 
Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. I do want to quickly uh, jump, though, to the UI uh, just to sort of shift gears a little bit because, Brian, you were mentioning it, and I do think it is such a, like, thing we could really dive deep on. Um, and I'll, I'll start with you. What was... What were some of your like biggest takeaways from the UI showcase? Like, what were you most impressed by? What do you like? Maybe some of the biggest questions you still have about it. Um, the, hands down, I really like the the card system. Um, I think it's gorgeous. I'm a little apprehensive about like digging into it. This might mean uh, the sort of the death of themes uh, system wide. Uh, it seems like those are being replicated by more sort of microcosmic feature sets. Um, but the whole thing that, and obviously this has to be programmed individually per developer, but being able to like hop into specific levels, like queuing them up, like or a DVD menu, and then also having like, you know, guide help right there for players who are stuck. Um, that's cool. I know Janet, that probably made you go like, Hey, we do that. Oh, <laughs> but, I got some feelings. Yep. Yeah, no, I figured, I figured you will. But, um, uh, th- to see how that works across the system level will be really cool. I'm apprehensive about uh, developers taking the time to do that kind of stuff. And also, I don't know how that works for like an open world game. Like chapter checkpoint stuff in story-driven games makes a ton of sense to sort of queue up on the menu. But, um, you know, that gets a little bit different in, you know, just a big open game where, you know, you're not really, like you're, it's auto-saving in specific areas, but it's not really about like a, a story by you know beat by beat so but yeah i thought and, it was gorgeous and and even something on the you know like the in game the game help that you can pin to the side and everything and jan i do want to get your thoughts on this in a second but something with like demon soul sure we're gonna have a guide on igm but people playing may not like they want maybe the experience of like hitting their head against the wall trying to figure out how to get past a boss or like trying to just go all in at it or maybe the devs don't want to give away the secrets to easily beating the boss because that's kind of part of the point of playing games like that and so it is going to be very interesting to see how people adopt this i assume you know at launch it'll be adopted on mass well most games will support all the functionality to a certain extent where it makes sense but from then on out it will probably depend on a a developer by developer case but yeah janet i do want to hear from you how did the the uh on-screen guides content uh content being there that you can just pin how did that strike you both as a guides writer and someone who you know like has to think about that stuff for players yeah gut reaction i'm like oh this is pretty cool and then like they kind of kept going and i was like the machines are coming for my job but (laughs) on the bright side the machines are still pretty far away from totally taking my job so i'm i'm not really like worried about it in that sense i think i could talk about this for literally like hours so i'm gonna try to be brief um i think this is really cool i mean i think a lot of companies have kind of thought about this i know stadia was like oh you're gonna be able to pull in youtube videos and have this big integration uh that sort of never really came to fruition i am super curious as to how much this will be supported i'm curious as to if this will create more game help jobs in the industry like is sony gonna hire 
a guides rider or like guides like liaisons to go ahead and and team up because right now i think they're doing it just from like the developers um brendan actually uh, linked me to a tweet from uh cameron christian who is a game director on insomniac games for miles morales and they tweeted out oh i wrote and like designed the activities and game help for miles morales like i'm going to share more when it drops and i'm like all right cool looking forward to seeing what that process is like because i'm wondering like a lot of times in companies like it's sort of added when they have new ideas it's kind of added on to who's there rather than like hired for so i'm curious as to like are they eventually going to hire how much support we will see i think the um on the side stuff is really helpful i do think <laughs> i take some solace in the fact that guys writing is very hard so i'm like well i'm not too worried because i don't think anyone's going to want to do this job because it's not very pleasant in a lot of ways um, but I think this is really interesting. I do think it was pretty funny. Uh, the kind of voiceover narrator was like, you won't have to open a browser. And I'm like, okay, calm down. I like, didn't think it was <laughs> such like this dirty thing to have to go and do. Um, they definitely have a huge emphasis on uh, making sure there's spoiler warnings and things and that there's no kind of to your point of what developers want, that there's no way to like spoil that experience, which is definitely a big thing that we emphasize in our guide usage. And for like us on the guides team, we're always looking for ways to innovate based on how games evolve as well to like Brian's point with open world games. Like now we have interactive maps where you can sort of take these different approaches. Like one thing that's important to keep in mind is everyone wants game help differently. I think the one kind of drawback of this is it's sort of, done in this generalized way they're probably only going to present it through you know on-screen written tips or a video that's probably kind of the only way they're going to do that because there's only so many ways to do it versus we have a lot of different angles that we take do you want loadout tips do you want a walkthrough do you want a video do you, like we sort of have to look at all these different angles and think what kind of player is coming here what do we do for the advanced person what do we do for the person that is literally stuck at the beginning of the game because they've never played a game before but they're playing with their kid and they need help like we have to think of all those things at once versus this is going to be generalized it's also worth noting that that game help is only available if you have ps plus so there is still a monetary gate um and then also only people that are playing on playstation so there's definitely still you know this is this is not exactly the beginning of the end of like the traditional online walkthrough but it is worth thinking about and wondering like what are ways that us as ign can evolve in the way we do game help so that we do continue to be relevant and we don't end up you know the way of the paperback guide which it still sells and is cool and but it's a lot more of a collector thing like most people playing a game aren't using physical guides anymore right. um so it'll be interesting to see how this space evolves but yeah definitely watching i think if you're a guides writer and you're not like keeping an eye on this or thinking about it like that's just that would be just bonkers to do it is my industry and it's interesting to see it kind of have this big spotlight in a way that guides normally isn't really discussed we know oh, you're you're I was going to say really quickly, uh, we talked about like how it's going to come for every first party game, but uh, I, this feels like antithetical to the FromSoft philosophy. Like I can't really see Demon <laughs> Souls being like, here's how you beat this boss. It's actually super easy. Have fun out there, kids. I hope it just like, has like weird obtuse poetry and like just bits of prose. Like, <laughs> I was like, thinking that too, like very Ghost of Tsushima, just like yep. what you already have, the thing that you need. You know, and you, actually, it's interesting you bring that up because we used to see that a lot in, and sometimes still, no, no shade, but some online guides still do this where you look up something and they're sort of like, you know, now it's up to you to use what you know. And it's like, look, I came here for the answer. Like, I'm not looking for <laughs> you to make this. You're projecting your stuff onto me. Like, I came here for this one piece of information. So, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see if there are different approaches based on what the developer wants for how their game to be experienced. People uh, people often ask, like, how do, you get into, how do you get into working in games? And it's like, when I started working in games, live streaming wasn't a thing. You know, and it's it's a constantly shifting industry. And this is 
this is weird because at one point in time, like writing strategy guides or being, <clears throat> you know, part of the you know Nintendo help hotline or whatever was that was a that was a job in games. And it sort of seemed like that went off to the side with the rise of kind of games press. And then you see, you know, walkthroughs and wikis. Uh, but I, yeah, I wonder how this is going to exist. Cause I imagine it's a tremendous pain in the ass for people making a game because it's hard enough to make a game, let alone have to write like a walkthrough as you're making it like this, like you said, Janet, like I could totally see them sort of tacking this on to an existing role. Like people who, uh, you know, having QA testers basically have to like jot down, you know, tips along the way or whatever. Uh, or having level designers make sure they have like a clear, you know, like here, here's how you, here's how you beat it. Like here, like, but it's, again, that's like, that's, that's extra work. And I guess flip side is like, who's, who's policing this? Like, I imagine yeah. Sony is going to be on top of it being like, Hey, make sure you're, uh, if you want to be up to cert, you want to get signed off on, you got to have your tips in there. But then with third party stuff, like, is it, are people going to get mad if it doesn't have that? Like, or is it going to be like an added, you know, added value? Um, I mean, it's weird. Cause I think back to, uh, you know, people always say, like, I thought IGN was a game site, except we've been uh, doing movie reviews since the days of DVDs and DVD features, which was a whole thing. It was this whole, like, weird extra thing. And if you got, like, a game or a movie that was out of the box, just the movie, people would be like, where's the commentary tracks? Where's the extra stuff? And we're kind of looking at this now in terms of games where, like, what is the, you know, what is the sort of bonus support with this whole this whole sort of infrastructure? And, I mean, it's, I guess we're, we never got free strategy guides with a copy of the game. You know, so but if you're but if you're paying for PlayStation Plus, you're getting you're getting your free games. Obviously, you're getting your online gameplay. But like this is suddenly this is a this is a selling point for a PlayStation Plus subscription. So they're going to want to support it. I, I don't know. We're getting down the, you know, off the beaten no, path here. But yeah, I, I totally think it raises all those questions because I saw, you know, speaking to someone else talking about this from the game development side, uh, Thomas Puha um, from Remedy uh, on the communications team was talking about like, yeah, it was fun picking out, you know, the artwork for the activities cards and trying to come up with uh, the tips and all that stuff. And it's like, oh, yeah, this is a whole new set of not just written content, but art content and video content and all these different assets that then have to be supplied and, you know, has to probably go through some level of QA as well. Like it does open up all of these new questions about what they do. And Janet, to your point, like, yeah, people do look for uh, a lot of different forms of tips when they go for something like I'm playing Persona 5 right now and I don't need a tip to tell me how to get through a dungeon because I just go forward and search everything. But like, you're i'm trying to max out relationships in that game i need to know what are the right answers to say but that's not i don't know if they're going to tell me that in, in a grid form on you know the side of the game like we do on a website so it'll be it'll be really curious to see how all devs decide to implement this stuff and how how they develop it and what that adds to the process i wonder too how early will we like know that that's supported um and to be fair, I don't think this is as deep for like other people. It is for me where I'm like in the game, the guides industry. So I'm interested in like game help. But for me, I'm like, you know, I always say that I mainly play on my PlayStation for exclusives. And I do a lot of third party stuff on my Xbox because I like the controller more. But I'm like, whoa, y'all giving up free game help? Okay, that, that would be enough for me to go over. Also, please tell me they're going to have these tips before before launch of the game. Because if they're not in like the reviewer, like if I have to write a guide, for a game that has game help built into it, but the game help isn't available when I'm doing the game. Like I'm going to be mad. I'm going to be mad. I'm going to be mad. I'm letting people know. 
I'm going to be mad. But that raises another funny thought that I just had is like, are people going to be mad if someone reviewing a game dips into the game help to double check something or to try to, you know, because they're having trouble on a boss? Like, does that suddenly then become a, a rite of passage of whether or not you're doing that for your reviews? Do we have to disclose that? Like, it, it does raise all these interesting questions mm-hmm. about the implementation of this, it. And, this is kind yeah. of an evolution of what we already have on PlayStation 4. Like, I, it, I don't know if you ever go down to sort of about this game or like the sort of yeah. the recommended stuff where you know, you poke around there and it's like, it'll have, you know, trophy support. It'll have who else plays this. It'll have, uh, you know, it's like other thing. It's like, you could buy the soundtrack or the art book or the digital strategy guide, um, you know, through the PSN store. And it's just this weird little kind of corner of like, I feel like typically how we operate now is like, you, you look at the game icon and then you play the game, you know, you don't, you don't dilly dally too much around, but, but that stuff gets updated after the fact too. Like, and they've had sort of rudimentary versions of what they're doing with this whole, uh, I guess, whole UI, this user experience. Um, and it's, it's, it's really fascinating because again, like some of this is going to be crowdsourced. Some of this is going to be like, Oh, your friends, your friend shared this screenshot like this, you know, this stuff is in here or, Oh, like this, you know, popular streamer is currently playing this or streaming this on, you know, on Twitch, uh, you know, or go buy the new, new DLC. But at the same time, there is going to be, you know, there's going to be stuff provided by the developer and there's going to be stuff provided by, by Sony. And I can't help but feel like this is, this is going to lead to like a whole, like this is what used to be like the 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 PlayStation blog. You know, it used to be somebody would go in there and update that every week and be like, here's the drop, here's what's coming out. And that's kind of more and more sparse, I guess, because you have to open up a browser to get to it. You know, it's not <laughs> there. There's a that was actually a thing that like kind of caught me off guard is that there was a lot of emphasis in that presentation about like reading up on the news and stuff like that. And like I generally I I can't speak for everyone, but I feel like most like gaming enthusiasts get that on Twitter. They get that on message boards and Reddit and IGN and a billion other places. Um, they have that at their fingertips 24 seven. We're in tune with it. I personally, like there's an entire news section on Nintendo switch that I never look at. I don't care because <laughs> by the time something hits there, it's uh, to put it this way. It nothing there uh, ever really surprises me. Like I've never, I never really like news doesn't really ever break through the news tab on my <laughs> Nintendo Switch. And so I don't really that's think so that, Yeah, I don't really think I'm going to find anything on the, on the PS5 news app that makes me go, oh yeah, that's that's really cool. Um, it's It could be a good place to put like, you know, exclusive annou- announcements front and center. Like, you know, there's a sale on the store, like having that communicate without having to go into the store, which is, they did show, which is snappy and quick. One of my favorite parts, because mm-hmm. I, it, it feels like a crapshoot every time you go into the PS4 store. Sometimes oh, it's, it's so just bad. like pinwheels. Yeah. It's really bad. Um, but in, in terms of the, the guide stuff, this is all best laid plans before launch. But the, I, I have a feeling that Sony's going to be looking at the return on investment in this kind of stuff. And if they are hiring internal writers and guides people and they are making, um, ex, you know, specific art and stuff like that and having an entire design effort go into every single game they do. But they're tracking stats and realizing that the average player isn't really poking around in there or isn't really utilizing these. This is going to go the same way that a bunch of features in the past have gone, which is away. You know, I think like if people aren't using this thing, they will slowly phase it out. And this will either become something that's mandatory for every game to do, or in a year or two, we won't be talking about this anymore because they'll be on to something else. And I I do think, sorry, I was just gonna say, I do think that's why the activities cards as like the, the basis for the 
where you'll eventually like grab the guide help from seems to be more of a like modular hey if we have new ideas we can use these cards as the way to convey it to you like the cards as they showed them in the ui experience is how you access the game help how you access the levels how you access trophy following the news feed like all those things and so it does feel like i'm I'm totally with you like if they find out in a year that no one has clicked on any guide help for games in six months and they're like hey we don't need to do this they can maybe find a better use and they're like, Oh, right. but people keep doing X, Y, and Z with the, the PlayStation. Like maybe we should change one of the cards to be this permanently or whatever. It, I, I do like the, the modularity of that and the ability it, it for it to be very malleable. It feels like. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, it's, it was, it's good to see what we're launching with, but this is, <laughs> you know, this, this is an ever changing UI by definition evolves, you know? Yeah, like it's, no, it's, I mean, it's, it might wind up being like the, xbox 360 blades that we don't even that's a foreign concept at this point looking yeah. at this like out the gate i was immediately like the showing off the cards it just looks like um i don't know how common this we use this production tracker called trello which is our like a project Ooh, why'd you say that no oh now I, yeah. yeah no now and it's it. like it's it's made for a very specific type of person who's sort of organized and i am not that person and it, like, <laughs> there's already this part of my brain where i'm like Am I playing this game for work or am I playing this for fun? Like, is this still, is this a work Just game? lean into it. See, like PS5 UI is like for the, for the guides writers and also yeah. to destroy the guides writers in a weird combination of the two where it's like, <laughs> it's all very organized. Like I was living for those percentages. I am very curious as to how dynamic those will actually work because they claim that it will adjust based on how you play. And I'm like, will you realize just how slowly I play these games? Because I play games really slowly. And if I'm playing for work, like that screen might be open for like. That's going to give you gonna like, be like the, the Netflix. Are you still playing? Are you okay? It's going to be like, um, yeah, and I think Max, you were, you were the one who talked about this. Like when you go hands on sometimes that like you'll be doing crazy stuff. And then the people with you are like, um, sir, do you know how to play the game? Like that's what it's going to come down to. They're like, this game will take you 200 hours because you're it moving so like slowly. You might be stuck, Janet. And a little paperclip pops up, right? Um, yeah. I'm like, go ahead, give me these tips. Like, you don't need PS Plus to get these tips because I'm going to put all those tips in our guide. So if you're <laughs> well, looking for that but want to save it, money, there you go. It feels like when you read something on Kindle and they tell you, like, how much time is left and you're like, is that a challenge? Like, yeah. Like, do, do I have to go slower, faster? How am I... Am I in step with the average reader right now? Like, how, where am I doing? Yeah. I, uh, I like, the- I... Sorry, go ahead. I was just saying the percentages thing is super cool. I, I I hope it works. I hope it works out because I really dig that. Yeah, I so, I love it for. Sorry, Max, go ahead. I was gonna say going back to the. I feel like we're we're, we're doubling down on the the parts of this that stick out to us as like people who work in games. But there's sure. there's a lot of stuff that's just sort of interesting. Uh, going back to the sort of level select stuff, like being like, oh, where do you want to jump in? I can totally see that working. Obviously, for for like recent quick saves or save files for bigger games. But if they start doing a just open up your game via fast travel. Like if it's like, Oh, you want, where do you want to go? You want to go to white run or like, you know, uh, I don't, I don't know what no, Novigrad or whatever. Like you want to just fast travel to this point in the game. Like, and that's where you open up the game. That would be, mm, that would make that's me so really happy. Cool. Yeah. I don't know if they'll but, actually do that, but it's, it's it seems possible. No, but I mean, that's a good thought because it is one of those things where, especially in an era where we're supposed to be getting rid of load times and worlds will be more seamless to walk through. Theoretically, it should be able to insert you into that part of the game if the SSD is built in a way to like prioritize where it wants to drop you. So especially for an open world game where it isn't level based, um, that would be a really good use for that stuff. Yeah, I, I totally agree that there is, I think, a lot of like 
industry focused things that we are super excited about but also like a lot of ease of use things that max i think really go back to your point of like a lot of this has roots in what's there on ps4 i just think it's integrated into the ps4 in a way i don't really care about um like because you have to drop down to that feed and it's usually slow and it stutters and it doesn't always quite work right but like if it's built in in a way that works i'll try it out like yeah stupid question does does ps4 have dictation like does it have voice to text if you have the camera i know it detects your voice (laughs) because i'll accidentally say words that sound like playstation while we're watching a netflix show like i'll say right. something to my girlfriend and it's like oh yes you wanted me to turn on an app and it's like no no i didn't it's like a like it's like it's, it's like, a select group of commands it's not like a full yeah it's that it's was a, one thing that, that stuck out to me as being really cool like to be able like i occasionally just like clip out a bit of me doing something weird in yakuza and i'll want to tweet it out and i'll just spend like it takes me more time to type on the controller than it yep. does to actually clip the video and it's sort of like if i could just be like Fighting bunch of dudes in the streets and tweet, you know, like that would be that would be great. <laughs> As one does. Yeah. What and the, the actually all of Max's up. tweets, he's just constantly fighting a bunch of dudes in the streets. <laughs> Out in the streets looking for dudes, gonna do some fighting. The picture uh, picture is really interesting too. Like I, I don't know how much I'd use something like that, but I feel like the few times I would, it'd be super useful. Um, it actually reminded me of uh, my boyfriend had the idea of playing like The Witcher 3 with one of his friends and just turning the game on at the same time and calling each other. And I'm like, oh, you can do that much more normally through this. Granted, I think it's a very specific use case, but like I could totally see, like I've had times where I want to kind of like do this sort of single player co-op experience. Um, but if you don't like live in a house with someone that you want to do that with, you can't do that anymore. Like how I would do is I don't know if you ever do like a pass the controller thing or you want to kind of experience the story together or whatever. Um, but you could do that with this. And I think that's really cool. Uh, I don't know the legality of this, but I would love to do picture in picture with like other apps like Twitch or YouTube or Netflix that I already do that with my switch all the time where I go in handheld mode and I'll watch my TV because like, I don't need to be completely immersed in my animal crossing chores because like (laughs) if they do them all the time. So I think being able to like, like just multitask the hell out of everything. I know it sounds a little bit like a hellscape, but I already do it. I know it's shameful. I don't care. Make it easier to do. Also the UI looks great. Can you do it with streaming apps? Like, would you be able to like watch Netflix and like a tiny Game Boy size screen on your big ass TV while you're playing Demon's Souls? I imagine you wouldn't be allowed to, but I feel like that'd be really cool if you could. Like, I know there's limitations on like, I know even like on the the Switch is a weird example because it's a Switch, but like if you have Hulu open and you drop it into like your Switch and you have like the Elgato open, it just doesn't read it because it's like, no, this could you could be committing crimes here, like streaming something without people paying for it. So I imagine there'd be at least some weird limitations on that, but I think the potential for it would be really cool. So you can, yeah, because you can do that stuff on iOS now. It's in the new update. Like you can basically, you can, I was like watching a movie on Netflix and like scrolling instagram and i'm like this is the stupidest thing ever you know, this, is, this is great because i've always said that i have way too long of an attention span and i'm too yeah. focused on doing <laughs> one thing at a time but no like serious i would love to have this while i'm like just repeatedly dying in demon souls if i can just sort of be like you know fighting skeletons to get my blood points up or whatever my souls bucks to go get more hearts like that would be great and i can just watch you know bad netflix stuff in the background that'd be cool as hell or you watch you watch somebody play bug snacks it's like a little you know treat in the corner yeah just get emotional whiplash uh, <laughs> yeah uh does this what is i imagine like again this is all going to be probably determined by the the actual ui like we have this now where it's like oh gameplay recording blocked because you entered a secret uh title screen or whatever you know it's like it always pops up at the weirdest times but like what does this do for multiplayer like it'd be kind of cool if you could have like a you know, you could see your teammates 
gameplay up or like but i feel like that kind of that changes things oh yeah like if you're in a party and you could share could you have your friend sharing their view so that you get basically a double view of the battleground yeah i don't know i don't know if that works yeah there are so many questions for that stuff like it was i think a really good overview of reasons to be excited but there are so many questions like that um going back to the media remote we don't know what apps will be on there uh because they didn't show the media tab at all um we didn't really get a look at the create buttons functionality like they pressed it once and it basically was like share a screenshot or a video like it seemed to be the same as share so i don't really know what's different yet um the the kids in the dream subreddit are really excited about this because they're constantly collaborating on dreams and like yeah looking for sort of like giving each other tutorials but also you know wanting to like i I feel like that is that is totally built with that like that community in mind yeah i i cannot wait to see what people on dreams are able to do with ps5 especially assuming at some point it gets like a ps5 version or something that'll be really Mm -hmm. excited to see um was there anything damn cool yes yeah uh continuing to make awesome stuff he he took a break i actually was talking to him he took a break because he had to move houses but he is very excited he was just starting on some psvr uh dream stuff and he made a couple like vehicles in a garage it looks awesome i'll try to find photos of it for next time really quick anecdote here but i i moved recently and i was like rebuilding my my studio where i want to make video and stuff like that and I measured everything with like a measuring tape and mapped it all out in Photoshop just to sort of play around with it there and move furniture around. So I wouldn't hurt my old back. Um, and a bunch of, I tweeted it out and a bunch of people are like, that's really smart, but you, you should have made that in dreams. And I was like, Oh yeah, that's right. You can <laughs> do, that. do that. You would and, still be working on it. No, no, totally. <laughs> but like people have, people said that they mapped out their houses in dreams and then tried out different like wallpapers and paint paint schemes and all this other stuff that like you can't really do with just like an an overhead blueprint map of something and that's just like one of those purposes for that for that software i never even thought about that people are using like architects and and interior designers and it's it's so smart that's really cool yeah that is one of those like i can't wait to see the don't think the real estate market is going to suddenly adapt uh (laughs) but that is a really really cool functionality for it and i do hope that like as we transition to ps5 that game in particular gets a spotlight because hopefully it's only going to make it run faster run smoother allow for like higher res stuff so i'm excited to see what comes from that community for sure um moving on from the ui just because i want to do a couple quick news stories before i move on to uh, what we're playing and everything i did want to briefly mention a weird one that came up this week and hear your guys' thoughts but the ps5 fan will essentially be getting firmware updates so sony has basically <laughs> said in an interview that um they plan to update the fan based on the effects upcoming games have on the console's apu which is the accelerated processing unit that's the chip that powers the ps5 it's the hybrid cpu gpu so um Basically, in an interview, they said, quote, various games will be released in the future and data on the APU's behavior in each game will be collected. We have a plan to optimize the fan control based on this data. Uh, and just I don't know about all of you, but I just love the idea that the the fan specifically can get patched uh, and probably hopefully run better. That just it's like a weird next gen feature I didn't really think we would have. But it's a fan with a plan. Are y'all a fan of the fan? <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, that's all I have to. That's all I have to say. It's not going to get any better or worse than that. So I'll, I'll take comment. it. 
Um, no, moving on from that, though, too, I just wanted to briefly mention this, these for people who may not have seen them. But uh, also, apparently, PS5 accessories may be shipping out ahead of the console launch date. Uh, Target, I believe, and a few other locations have confirmed. Max. <laughs> you all stuff. laughed when I said I pre-ordered the PS5 remote. Well, who's going to have the exclusive unboxing first? <laughs> Me, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> it may come to you before november uh including a couple ign writers we got emails from target and others saying that dualsense controller pulse 3d wireless headset the charging station the hd camera and the media remote could be arriving as soon as october 30th um we haven't gotten official word from sony that this is the case so who knows if this is just a weird like manufacturing error but uh you could possibly have a dualsense and a media remote with nothing to do for up to two or three weeks that goes well with with yeah i was gonna say that goes well with that email from amazon that said that we might not get the systems on launch day because that's like that sucks <laughs> you know, if there's one thing this year has had too many of it's just a sure thing you know it's really mm-hmm. just stability and consistency that's one thing i've had it up to here with do i have a playstation 5 coming to my house who knows <laughs> we'll all find out in just a few weeks uh and then the other major bit of playstation news that i did want to mention was there was a big uh, 8.0 PS4 firmware update, and with it came a switch to how uh, parties work. And it has caused some issues for people when it comes to parties and messaging features. Um, it's complicated the invitation process for some people, and a lot of people have been upset with it, particularly because there's now a warning with the PS4 that your calls or your conversations with people might be recorded. Uh, and this was poor messaging from Sony, but the case of it is is that PS5 will offer people the functionality to report. Uh, chats like basically people who are acting like assholes in chat you can send them voice samples from your recordings but they've said adamantly at least this is what they're saying uh sony is not actively listening into any calls uh or monitoring them as chats are going on uh you can only clip from the last five minutes of chat and you can only send in a, a roughly 40 second window of chat so it is not a sort of like all of our calls are going to shuhei's desk and he's just listening in for the rest of his <laughs> with that 3d audio with that 3d audio to really hear the vile stuff the 12 year old might be yelling at you during a game of madden this but is, this is not new right like I feel like this is a this is a disclaimer that they have said is new or sounds new. But like, wasn't that kind of always the case with the share button? I think there have been stuff that you can share via that. But this is like a specific new, I think, functionality to like zero in on the chat that you can submit to a PlayStation consumer experience team that will then judge Mm -hmm. it and kind of go through it. So it's the to go with the the share button. It's the snitch button. (laughs) I like that. And I'll move on from that other than to say. Uh, there's been a problem for people needing to open a message uh, in a group in order to invite other people. It's it's kind of a mess right now on the PS4. Hopefully it gets solved as the PS5 changes. And it also led, I think, to the most conversational tweet I've ever seen the PlayStation account tweet out. Uh, I think it was on Sunday or Saturday, maybe. They just wrote, hey, folks, just wanted to let you know that we're looking into your feedback on the recent changes to parties on PS4. Thanks for speaking up. We'll keep you posted. <laughs> And and that's all we got. But so hopefully that is something that can get uh, a bit more addressed as we head to the launch. Uh, other than that, that's pretty much all the biggest PS5 news so far. Again, they'll announce something and we'll cover it next week. But I did want to quickly touch on uh, what we're playing and Brian and Max since uh, it's been a little while. Brian, I'll start with you. Anything you've been playing recently? Um, okay. Yeah, I was playing. I've been playing a game called Scourgebringer, which is inexplicably not on PS4 or announced for PS4. Uh, or PlayStation of any kind, although it's everywhere else. It's uh, basically like a roguelite action platformer, um, and it kicks so much ass, so I really hope it comes 
to uh, PlayStation. Additionally, I've been playing um, G.I. Joe Operation Blackout, which is uh, not it's not great, but it's <laughs> but it's not bad. It's like totally it feels like a like a PS2 PS3 era license game. Like it it's it's just basically it, it controls and feels like Fortnite, but it's mission based class-based shooter starring a bunch of like saturday morning cartoon gi joe dudes and you can get different collectibles and outfits for them and stuff like that and like the the levels are mindless and the the you know the i would say like the the level design and like the quest design is like extremely you know straightforward 15 years ago but there's something sort of nice about playing a like a budget price license game based on toys i had as a kid it's a licensed um, console game. We don't get those anymore. Yeah, we don't get those anymore. Yeah, I mean, they're like, either AAA or they're like they're like mobile iPhone <laughs> free to play. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's probably like a six for me, but like if you see if you see it like in a like on, on sale or something or rent you want to rent it, totally check it out. Like I know this is not the best this is not the best way to sell a video <laughs> game, but if you like GI Joe, which I do, um, you'll dig this game. It's it's totally fun kind of no frills shooter. Um, it's extremely straightforward, but it's it's got a like a good personality and I'm glad it exists. And I hope they build on the formula and make an even better sequel. Yeah, that's a genre, I guess, or just a sort of way of getting games. As Max was saying, like triple A or mobile uh, or triple A licensed games. We we don't really get if they're based on movies anymore. It is a lot of like mobile or free to play stuff. So it's it's nice that there is still comfort in a game like that that can even in this day. Uh, yeah. Max, what about you? What have you been playing? I don't know why or what compelled me, but I jumped into Wasteland 3 um, and I've been kind of just messing around in that. And it's it's really fun. Like it's I, I, it's been I, I go through these these occasional phases where I'm just like, I need to play an isometric RPG right now. And that's like not my that's like not my my thing. Like that's not a thing I'm typically I've been I've been drawn to. But like I was like, eh, screw it. I'll I'll jump in there. I made uh I, you you get to you can do custom characters. So I made uh, my wife and myself and gave us like perks that would be reflective of us. So like, I don't know, she's good at talking to animals. And I'm like, uh, I, I was like a teenage sad poet. And so like, I'll occasionally just be like whimsical on the battlefield or whatever. Like, And it's just, you know, it's. Um, it's that that weird it's the studio that was it was uh Brian Fargo, who was worked on the original Fallout, but since and Bethesda scooped up Fallout and made it a first person shooter and all the old school Fallout fans got mad at it. But then Brian Fargo put it on Kickstarter and made and now it's three Wasteland games in. And I think does Microsoft own that studio? It's in exile, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're owned by Microsoft now. So if Microsoft can't make a good Fallout game, what are they doing over there? Because they got the guys (laughs) who did New Vegas, they got Bethesda and they've got in exile. They have like everybody under one roof and it's just. Um, but in the meantime, yeah, Wasteland 3 is a good time. It's got the uh, post-apocalyptic robot spiders and cowboys and stuff. Having a good Perfect. time. Yeah. And uh, uh, Janet, before we wrap up, what have you been playing? Um, I have been playing, well, I finally beat Man of Madon with my family. Um, that's, the, I think that's all I have to say <laughs> on that. It was fine. This is like, this is the, like, okay games cast. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it as... <laughs> something that was narrative based something i could play with my family something that was spooky um it's definitely like it's not good 
It, I, I personally don't think it's good, but I am so excited for like the next one because like me and my family played it. We enjoyed our time playing it. You know, we, we it was three of us. So we really we only had to play like a third of the game, which sounds about what Man of Madon can handle for the kind of game it was. Um, what's the next one? Little Hope. I am so there. Like, I'm so excited to play it. I think it comes out at the end of this month. I'm like, mark your calendars, y'all, because I know what we're doing. Um, but yeah, I had a, a good time just making the decisions. And um, we all tried to stay alive. Like, we, we got assigned characters. And it was just a big thing of like, how can we try to make it? We almost all made it. Um, yeah, I just had a good, t- I, I enjoyed it, but I more enjoyed it because of, I like my family, not because the game was like that wavy, but <laughs> I, I enjoyed it for what it was. I finally started Crash 4 about time. Um, I'm very early on. I like that game a good amount, I think. I, I don't know where it lands for me as like, I'm thinking, you know, considering like platformer of the of the year considerations and stuff. Um, I like it a lot better than the insane, tra- insane trilogy. I did not like the insane trilogy. I did not think it was well made. I thought the hitboxes were off. I actually liked the old game better than the remake. I just think the remake was off. It looked very pretty, but I just something was not right with it. Um, I didn't like how it was designed, how it felt to jump. Everything. It was very difficult to navigate and to tell how far you were. This game feels like it fixes a lot of that. Every now and then, I still have those complaints, but. The use of the shadow, which is very simple, like just really helps with landing and figuring out where you're supposed to go. Um, it, there was a lot to do in it. Like it is, I know the completionist just finished it. Uh, Gerard, I don't know how you'd be doing that stuff. You're wild for that one. No, thank <laughs> it's you. Packed. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, but it, I, I like that it has that great loop because of the checkpointing and everything. As long as you play like the modern version, that. You, you know you're not going to get all of it, like unless you're like, you know, really hardcore, but you, you kind of feel like maybe you can get all of some of the parts. So you yeah. kind of have that temptation to go and like, I'll try like the, you know, side stuff again and again. Um, I'm also playing that one with my brother where we're just sort of doing a pass the controller jank co-op thing because uh, it is pretty grueling. So I'm like, OK, I can get a little break every now and then then come in and try mm-hmm. to like, you know, make progress on this. Uh, I'm planning on putting a bunch of time into that this week on Thursday. We're just going to get a pizza and some beer and just like bro out, which we want to do with the Insane Trilogy, but neither of us liked it. So it was just like a sad evening, but like this is going to be good. Uh, and other than that, I'm just still playing Animal Crossing New Horizon, you know, making my Halloween town. I got to make it quick though, because like Halloween's going to, like by the time it's done, we're going to have to put it all away, but that's okay. We're not going to talk about that part. We're just going to focus <laughs> on the process. It's going to be time for your Thanksgiving town. Or yeah. whatever it's called in Animal Crossing. Um, and yeah, I, I'm right there with you with Crash 4. I think it fixes a lot of the the issues where there's still a couple of times where it's like the perspective I feel like isn't quite there, but for the most part, it does a really good job making everything readable. There you go. Um, <laughs> uh, before we wrap up, very briefly, I agree as well. I uh, just want to read one memory card story because we got a bunch in before uh, between last week and now. So thank you to everyone for writing in memory card, of course, is our segment where we read uh, your funny weird wacky happy sad whatever memories of your playstation life uh, on the show you can write into beyond at ign.com with the subject line memory card uh, this one came from david in sweden who wrote in with what i thought was a very unexpected tale so here we go uh this is from david my name is david and my memory card is a funny funny story from when i was about five years old my best friend who lived down the street had gotten a ps1 and rayman which was his first game i fell in love with it Needless to say, I now wanted to visit my friend more often. Uh, one day I went over to see if he was home and if we could continue the adventure. Unfortunately, no one was at home at this time. But I really wanted to play Rayman. <laughs> and, that the, oh, no. and that the people living in this house were not at home was not going to stop me. I went around the house to their side porch and lo and behold, that door was not locked. 
I went in, turned on the TV, only to get scared by a scene in Dumb and Dumber in which Jim Carrey's character punches a guy's heart out in a dream. Anyway, I switched over to the game and got a decent amount of time in with my favorite game until suddenly I heard a car. I immediately switched off everything and timed my exit through the side porch with them approaching the front door and ran home, leaving them none the wiser about what had transpired in their housing during their trip. I don't know to this day if they actually saw me. Uh, And David, as someone who has definitely thought they were like able to trick like friends, like I would sneak out the side door of a friend's house because they weren't supposed to like have people over until they were done with their homework, like in my hometown. Or we used to play hide and seek and hide. There, There were like passageways we could get through from block to block by going through people's backyards we weren't supposed to be in. As a kid who thought they were extremely sneaky and never once got caught, you, they probably knew you were there. They, they <laughs> probably had some sense a child was in their house. You, you, did, a, you did a breaking and entering for, for Rayman. So if you didn't get a PS5, this is also an option for you. Also, why do people not lock their doors? I, what is like... No, I hate that. Like I, I, when I dormed in college in Iowa, like granted, I know it's Iowa, like small town Iowa, but like people, some people would not lock the door. I'm like, no, you're gonna, you're gonna lock this door because I'm not about to get killed in the middle of the night by someone just barge. Like, n- this is I, why, this is why you lock the door. I lived in a small beach town growing up with like maybe 800 people, uh, tops, and it was uh, at night we would lock our door, but most days, especially during the summer when you're like coming and going to the beach or like hanging out with people, our door was constantly open. I, I don't remember the door being locked during the days, so it happens. It's a weird thing. But anyway, uh, David also just wrapped up his email was saying um, a year ago while listening to you guys, it made me realize that developing games is a dream of mine. And also that is nothing to be ashamed of wanting to do for a living growing up. I've always been told by people that games are just for kids or a hobby, which is generally frowned upon listening to the show for all this time has set me uh, in a way sort of free. And I am now striving towards studying game design at university. So a big thank you for helping me realize that it is actually a possibility to work with one of my biggest passions in life. There's a lot more I could say, but uh, that will have to do it for now. Here's hoping also, you break into games like you broke into your friend's house. <laughs> Hell yeah. You should make a game about breaking into someone's house to play Rayman. Yeah, that would. The ultimate sneaking. I'd, <laughs> I'd play that game. Uh, but anyway, thank you so much for writing in. Again, if you want to write in, uh, please write in to beyond at IGN.com with the subject line memory card, and we'll read them on the show as we go forward. Especially as we get toward PS5 launch, if anyone has weird launch day stories, please write in uh, once we get past that time. We'll definitely read those on the show. But that is pretty much going to wrap us up for this episode of Beyond. Uh, thank you, Max, Brian, and Janet for joining me for this week on the show. Uh, very quickly before we go, anything uh, you all want to plug? Max, we'll start with you. Uh, we have been doing a ton of um, like sp- sponsored Let's Plays and stuff. And I know they'll be like presented by blah, blah, blah. But it's like we still have a good time doing those and a lot of hard work goes into them. I, that's why I pulled up YouTube right here. I have no idea what's going up and what hasn't gone up. But uh I played uh, a bunch of Watch Dogs Legion with Bruce Green of the Internet fame, uh, and he's a wonderful dude. We had a good time just goofing around. So if that sounds fun to you, go check that out. And uh, we also have a lot of stuff in the works. There's this, it's going to be a busy fall in terms of the stuff we are making here. Oh, yeah. Uh, Janet, what about you? Uh, mostly just use our guides to avoid having to pay for PS Plus. But um, other than that, I also recently did the uh, Mario Kart Live Home Circuit review. I know that's now getting progressive, progressively older as you know the weeks go on. But my cat's in that video a bunch, and I worked really hard on getting the assets together for Pat to do an awesome video edit. So please go check that out. That's like a little Big Planet karting, but it's about turtles and uh, Italians, right? Sure. Yeah, you nailed it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and Brian, what about you? Uh, I didn't have internet for like nine days, so I was mostly in meetings and they weren't that interesting, but I'm back. It's good to do shows again. 
Fair enough. Uh, yeah, it's uh, we're happy to have you back, and I'm very excited for the weeks to come uh, with the show and everything we'll get to talk about because we're so close to the PS5. It's it's kind of crazy, but uh, I'll I'll wrap it up there pretty much and just say uh, you can find us all on Twitter. I'm at JM Dornbush. Brian is at Agent Bizzle. Max is at Max Scoville, and Janet is at Game Onesis. Uh, thank you all so much for joining me, and thank you to Red, our producer, as always, for helping make the show actually happen. Uh, and thank you to everyone out there watching and listening. We hope you're safe. We hope you're well. Be good to each other. Be positive. Be safe. Uh, and as always, beyond. 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 And check out my exclusive review of the PlayStation 5 Media Remote coming soon to IGN.com. We are the hosts of Comic Sans, the podcast about comics for those who are sans knowledge. I'm Yen, a reader, writer, liver, and breather of comic books. And I'm Nat, and I know absolutely nothing about comics. Which makes both of us authorities in our respective fields. Exactly. Hey, wait. On Comic Sans, I make Nat read some of my favorite comics, including Sandman, Saga, and Lore Olympus. And Yen tells me what makes that comic special. Then I hear what Nat thinks, and I try to avoid a pulmonary embolism. While I actively try to give him one. Listen to Comic Sans on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can already binge our first season, and we just released a special bonus episode on Across the Spider-Verse. Hey, Nat, before we go, I'll give you 50 bucks if you can tell me what Comic-Con is. Is it related to Chili Con Carn? Do you mean chili con carne? Maybe we should be chili sands. Mm-hmm.